What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. First off, bacon and lettuce. Don't be scared. Don't be a wimp. Come up and say hi to me. You're not going to bother no, no, me. No, I'm not no not now. No one should come up to anyone right now. Maybe but next time, when life is yes. somewhat normal again, yes, that, that, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, life is not normal yet, but we're here doing normal things. It's Chris Sims Unbuttoned Podcast. It's Chris Sims. I'm Ed Fareed. What's up, big dude? How you doing, man? It's You're looking somewhat, good. Looking handsome. I, well, you know, I don't know how long this whole thing is going to last, and so incrementally I've been trying to figure out ways to make my basement studio look better. I've had the Barry Sanders jersey for a long time. Just added my old high school football helmet. Is that in the what background. that is? I was yes. wondering. I can, I can only see a little yellow and blue, so I thought maybe you had a Chargers helmet back there. Wow, look at that. Sparta Spartan. you guys? Sparta, Spartan? Michigan. Yep. Okay, okay. I like the purple and gold uniforms. That's kind of cool. It's blue. It's it's blue and gold. It's kind of looking different on Zoom here, but uh, but but it doesn't look purple on Zoom. I got to fix that. See another thing. The face mask look blue. The stripes on the helmet look a little purple. But I'm trying to make it. I got basketballs in the background here. I'm trying to bring my game to the next level here, Chris. You're you're such an athlete. You really are. <laughs> you know, it just proves once again you're a better athlete than Mike Florio and. You know, you look like uh, you, you know. You look like you brushed your teeth more than once lately. You look like groomed, like your mm-hmm. your beard and everything looking tip top. Uh, you I'll look be honest. like you've showered maybe more than once a day lately. So things I are s- on the up and up for you, huh? I still haven't gotten into really a good rhythm with that yet. I, I will be honest with you. I haven't quite gotten it down yet, but we're getting closer. We're getting closer. But I always shower and brush my teeth before today because this is what I look forward to all day we get to talk some uh talk some football and talk running backs today with you Chris yeah running backs uh you know always an interesting group right I mean running backs are usually some full of some freaky athletes it's the toughest position in pro sports as you always hear me say uh you know also hey it's it's an irreplaceable position at times because there's so many guys that come out in the draft every year that are big fast and strong and could be successful NFL running backs. I mean, hey, Arian Foster led the NFL in rushing twice. He wasn't even drafted. You know, Alfred Morris was top five twice in the air, three times in his NFL career. He was drafted in the sixth round. I mean, so it shows you that, you know, the running backs, you can find diamonds in the rough, certainly in the later rounds. Uh, And, you know, hey, sometimes you misevaluate because of good, bad blocking, good blocking, whatever it may be. But this was an interesting group. It really was. And there's some that really, really caught my eye. 
So we're going to go through your top five rankings, your honorable mentions. After that, I'm going to give you my top five current NFL running backs for you to pick apart and dissect and see if you agree with. So running back talk coming up a little bit later. In just a second, I, I want to get to the reactions to your edge rusher rankings sure. for this, uh, this draft. You did your top yeah, five there. It. But first, and I know you talked to, about this briefly with Paul on Tuesday, but I just want to touch base with you on it the Buccaneers new uniforms uh which the old ones we did not rank favorably in our in our rankings they both showed up in our bottom five worst jerseys in the NFL item fourth worst you had them second worst which is basically like the worst because you just hate the Bengals so much that they're not you shouldn't even rank them <laughs> so you you had the Bucks as the second worst uh, I didn't have the helmet in the five worst helmets because I like the oversized logo. They didn't change the helmet. You weren't a big fan of the helmet before. I do think these new uniforms, while a subtle change, I do think they're a, a slight improvement, and it might have moved them out of my bottom five. I, I agree. I, they would not be in my bottom five anymore for, for sure. You know, I think those uniforms that they released there, yeah, they're in the middle of the pack of the NFL. You know, they went back to the Chris Sims classics, which, you know, hey, that never – you can never have a problem selling those out in stores. Kristen's classics. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you're right. The helmets, the, the logo's still oversized. I wish they would, like, simplify it some way. But, you know, here's a little tidbit that I don't know if everybody knows. The flag, of course, Tampa is the, – they're the Buccaneers because of the Pirates landing, right? I don't know if you've ever heard of Gasparilla. It's like their, their thing of Mardi Gras down there. And it's supposed to celebrate the Pirates landing on the Bay of Tampa. So it is cool. And then also within that, all right, two things. The Glazer family, who owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they invented the color pewter. So that color of that helmet and the pants has been invented by them. So that's never going to go anywhere because that's a huge part of, you know, I think their signature on the football team. Also, there was a flag at our facility at One Buck Place. It was, I, I believe, the biggest non-American flag in the country uh, over that facility. It's really cool, and I think that's part of the reason why that's on the helmet. So just to give everybody a little history there, that's what it is. And I really like those all-pewter uniforms. I really like that addition. The pewter, I agree. I think that's my favorite of all the different combinations, the all-pewter. All so way to go, Bucks. You've improved it incrementally, and you're no longer in the bottom five Edge rushers, top five in the draft. You had yeah. Chase Young one. You had Chase on second. Epinesa from Iowa third. Lewis from Alabama fourth. Gross Matos from uh, Penn State fifth. Pete noted here in our notes, I guess everyone agreed with Chris. The wide receiver rankings had 160 comments on Instagram. The edge ones had 10. So he says, be more controversial next time. Chris, you were clearly <laughs> – you clearly did not anger the fan base, the homies, with how you rank these five edge rushers. I guess they agree with you. Well, I, you know, I, I think, you know, whether you agree with me or not, I mean, I think everybody agrees that the top two guys are the top two guys, right? That's where I first would start the conversation. You know, so the public's been told Chase Young is awesome, and they got to see it in person, and they believe it, and it checks out when you watch film, you know, whether I'm an expert or other coaches are an expert. Caleb on chase on uh, just so you know, is one of my favorite guys in the draft. I think yeah. he's the most naturally gifted pass rusher in the draft. And I'm really excited for him. I think people are sleeping on him. 
I think he's a top 10, top 15 pick and really wouldn't be surprised if we saw them there. Now, the other guys, you know, yes, whether you agree with my ranking or not, I still think no matter what, if you're studying that position, they're in the running for that next group down. You know, maybe with the guy Daryl Taylor from Tennessee and, uh, you know, a few other guys that I'm missing right now. But I, I think it's it's pretty concise on the top five, six, seven guys at the position in the draft. And, yeah, I think the three I picked are, you know, as far as Turlo, Lewis, uh, Epinesa, and Gross Matos, they got a lot of special qualities. So, I mean, that's good to hear. You know, that's good to hear that I wasn't controversial and that the people yeah. aren't hating on me. We did find one. He wasn't hating on you, but it was Jay Glover, 1533, who said Derek Tuska is better than Lewis and Gross Matos. I don't know if you know Tusker, if you're familiar with him. He went to North Dakota State. Ooh. Did you see him on tape I at did all? Not have you heard him. anything so, about him? I did yeah. not, nope. And, I, you know, I still have a few more guys that are down the line that I would like to watch. Watch, mm -hmm. okay? He you says, know, go take I, a peek. He says, go take a peek, Chris. I, and I will. I'm going to get to those guys. I have a bunch of guys where, you know, I watch probably – about 12 to 14 pass rushers, all right, and or edge guys uh, in general. So there's still a few more that I got to get to. Now, I haven't heard his name from any of my friends or anybody to think he's in that class. Listen, Gross Matos, I don't know how much you heard on my pod on Tuesday. Yeah, the film was a little underwhelming because the guy is built like a Greek god, and you'd like him to take over the game more. But – the, the, the reason he's going to be in my top five is because he translates to the NFL and there's, there's room for improvement and greatness there. You know, the, he had a lot of DNA traits that you go, ooh, other great pass rushers have had as well. Now, he's got, you know, it's a little projection that way. But the other thing that I think people miss sometimes in this conversation, Ahmed, is, you know, his floor is very high, gross mottos. You know, he's going to be he, – there's no tackle that's going to overpower him in football. He's not going to, like, have plays where you just go, oh, my gosh, we got to get him off the field. He's killing us. No, that's not going to happen. Yet he still has the chance to be a superstar, too, and that's why he gets in the top five. I think that's a really good point because a lot of times when we look at prospects or draft candidates, we look at what they can be. We're just evaluating them on their ceiling. What is their ceiling? What is his ceiling? What is his ceiling? And not factoring in what's the probability to reach that ceiling. And so that's where the floor conversation comes in. I think that's a really smart point. Well, yeah, how bad is their bad, right? I mean, hey, yeah. yeah, if they're great is great, but then their bad is like, oh my gosh, they're getting driven down the field 20 yards on every run play. You know, man, I mean, that great. Yeah, that's great. But you're a liability on, you know, two out of three downs of every game. Mm -hmm. So that's not good either. And there was a few guys like that. You know, there was a few guys, the, the a kid from BYU, who I'm blanking on his name right now. I want to say it was Weaver. Uh, he was a kind of a sack machine. And I went, ooh, there's something to this kid in the pass rush. But in the run game and physicality department, I mean, it was underwhelming, below average. To where I go, man, I, I couldn't trust them in a lot of situations in the NFL. So, you know, those are the things you got to take into account. And it's certainly how bad is the bad is big in me for evaluating some of these positions. Now, just note to everyone that you said I, I'm blanking on the name right now. If you do that in the future of the next hour here, our producer for the first time ever, producer Pete, could chime in voice of God style and give us the answer, which I hope he does at some point. All here. right. So just be Don't warned. 
producer Pete, okay? Why? He's Pete Dimalitalitalitalitis, okay? <laughs> and he is sitting in his bathroom right now listening to this, and he just said I was right. It is Curtis Weaver. He texted in. But oh. he's been relegated to the bathroom because his wife is in the family room taking care of some of her business. Yeah. So now he's sitting on the shitter producing the podcast. Really well done, Pete Dimalitalitalitis. It's literally the way America is working right now. I would not be surprised if 50% of the production is happening in people's bathrooms around the country right now. Uh, okay, so that's an interesting discussion on floor ceiling. We'll get into that now with your, your top five running back. But let's, let's just start with what is the state of the running back right now in the NFL? Because it's a, it's a weird time. We just did an offseason where Melvin Gordon held out backfired probably ended up making less money than he would have with a full healthy season um then you get todd Gurley, who made the big money gets cut rams regretting that picked up on a one-year deal by the falcons see if that all goes through and and pete demolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemolemol
can put his foot in the ground. Oh, there's a hole. And now he hits it like a bat out of hell going 100 miles per hour downhill. And they found their type of guy that way that fits their system. So that can be done. But you have to know what you're looking for at the running back position. And is it complementary to your run scheme? You might not want a guy like that, you know, Ahmed, if you're an offensive different game. You still got me there? Somebody called me and my phone went uh, – my thing went blank there for a minute. Yeah, um, you're back. You're, you're okay, back. Okay, good. But, but the um, – the, so that's the big thing. And then, you know, your point about the Baltimore Ravens and the 49ers, they're dedicated to the run game, okay? They are run-first teams. They built their teams through their offensive lines, all right? You know, the 49ers have two first-round left, you know, tackles. They got one of the highest-paid centers in the game. They have a guard they really like. So they put value into that, just like the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens do it by a little bit of committee, too. Yes, it's Lamar and Mark Ingram a lot. But, damn, Gus Edwards is really good. The kid they got from Oklahoma State gets a few carries. So, you know, I think there's – you can do it. But you got to have a system that you believe in in the running game and then the the eye for what kind of runner you want to complement that system. So let's see what kind of runners are out there in this 2020 draft who will be going off the board. I think the big question, Chris, with these running backs is how good are the ceilings with them? I mean, this could be a year. There are many years where we haven't seen a running back taken in the first round. Even though they've been devalued, we've still seen running backs go super, super high here lately with Saquon at second in 2018. You had Josh Jacobs, the only one taken in the first round uh, last year. He was 24th overall. I was looking back at some of the drafts when, when we didn't have a running back in the first round. That was 2014, 2013. Then you got to go all the way back to the 1960s. So it is rare, but when you look at this, this crop of running backs, do you think there's a first rounder in the bunch? How do you evaluate them? Well, yes. You know, it, I do think there's, a, I think there's two guys, and we'll get to it, that I think are in the first round conversation. I do. That I could, if they went off the board somewhere between 25 and 32, I'd go, I get it. They're worthy of that. All right. Uh, but, you, you know, again, the, the, the Jacobs of the world, some of the guys we've seen, you know, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, you said Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. I mean, Ahmed, those are like freaks of freaks, you know, especially when you get into the Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey uh, conversation. And, you know, really, if Dalvin Cook didn't have some injury – I mean, some off-the-field concerns, he would have been a guy that would have been a top-20 pick, too. People over-evaluated him. But, you know, that's a special, special group of guys we're talking about right there. And, you know, I don't know if there's anybody in that class, uh, okay? I'll say that much. I don't think there's anybody in the Saquon, Leonard Fournette class. Uh, I think we got some guys that maybe are in the Josh Jacobs-type class, and I think that's what's exciting – and there's some other guys here that are certainly second and third round picks that I'm excited about as well. And they could be big contributors. Now the big thing I'm, I'm in, it just, it just popped into my brain and I'm sorry, but when you talked about like the 49ers and the Ravens, especially the 49ers, Shanahan, even his dad, you know, they've realized like to the running back thing, every three or four years, let's replace them. Just replace, let's get new guys in. You know, they probably wouldn't have replaced Terrell Davis if he didn't get hurt. But I think they've realized that there becomes a time where a running back becomes a little reluctant to run up in there 100 miles per hour. 
and then of course he starts to lose physical ability. So sorry to change the subject there, but no. I couldn't help it. I had a, I thought of that. So what are you, you're going five deep on this, right? Yeah, you're I think. Five well, yes, deep. I think there's there's six guys that were in the running for my top five, and mm. then there was a drop off after that. I think a significant drop off to where I went. Okay, these guys are good, but they're backup running backs or rotational running backs. I think the top five are starting caliber running backs that you can base your offense around on all three downs. So you want to give your honorable mention first, the guy that just missed the cut? Cam Akers, Florida State. Okay. I think he's a guy that I look at. You know, I reminds me of Lamar Miller, maybe a Damian Williams for the Kansas City Chiefs, that type of guy. You know, he's a guy that I'm very intrigued by, can really hit the hole hard. He's good in the pass game, you know, can make people miss in space. Not going to be famous for breaking angles, but you get him out there, he's tough to handle. Got great straightaway speed. You know, he'd be a guy that I wouldn't be shocked if we came away two, three years from now and go, oh, he might have been the best one of the group. It's hard, too. Florida State's offense isn't good. Their offensive line wasn't good. So a lot of the times he's running the ball, there's just nowhere to go. And, you know, that sometimes is hard to evaluate a running back, too. One of the notes on him from the scouts that I looked all across the, uh, the internet is that he, he gets the job done time and time again. So he comes up, he's powerful. He, he comes he to play and you, you mentioned it and it's noted a lot of places how he didn't have a whole lot of, lot of help uh, around him, but he's a former top prospect running back coming out of Clinton high school in Mississippi. So it's always interesting watching those guys because yeah. it's almost like a former first round draft pick. You give them more and more opportunities because you, you saw something, even if it was when they were, you know, 18 years old like you saw something then and could it be something more in the future yeah well yeah I mean I, I think it can be I mean you know hey, the guys he reminded me of physically they're they're damn good football players I mean people need to go back and look at Lamar's Lamar Miller's career I think they'd be a little more surprised with the success he's had and the yards he's had and he's been on some shit teams especially those Miami Dolphin teams and of course that takes away from what you think of a player sometimes and that's what sucks about football. And that's what sucks specifically about the running back position. When you, you could be the best running back in football, but if you don't have a good offensive line or, you know, a passing game that can threaten the defense, I don't give a shit who you are. You're not going to just run through 11 guys who are looking to stop the run play after play after play. So that's what's brutal about the position too. And, you, mm -hmm. of course, you're going to take a lot of unwanted, you know, hits and, and you know, beat yourself up in that, on that type of team and environment. Even he couldn't do it all by himself. He tried right. a lot of times. but There you standards. go. Well, here, like, here's a great thing for you, okay? Here's a great topic of discussion. You know, the quarterback position, nobody can get past rings, right? It's rings, it's rings, it's rings. It's rings and stats. That's all yeah. that anybody cares about with quarterback. But yet, with almost every other position in the sport, nobody cares about those things, which I don't understand. Emmett Smith's the leading rusher in the history of football. I don't know anybody who's a football fan or works in the NFL that would tell you that Emmett Smith is one of the three greatest running backs they've ever seen. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to Emmett Smith. He's fucking awesome. He's the man. But for some reason with that, we could see that Barry Sanders was more talented than Emmett Smith. You know, but I, and I don't get that for some, you know, it's it, the quarterback position though. It's always about wins and, and rings, and that's it. And I just, you know, I don't think it's fair. Barry Sanders is better than Emmitt Smith. Barry Sanders' stats would be more ridiculous if he got to play in Dallas with Troy Aikman and that offensive line and that defense and Michael Irvin and Alvin Harper and Jay Novacek in the pass game 
Holy mm-hmm. shit, it wouldn't have been fair. So, you know, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just interesting. I think, I think what me. you're saying is that I think what you're saying is that Rodney Pete would be uh, would be a thought of as better if he would have played instead of Troy Aikman. In <laughs> Dallas. Yes, That's what you're yes. trying to say. That's what uh, I was trying to say, right? <laughs> so no, there's no Barry Sanders in this draft, unfortunately. No. But we do have our top five. You just gave Cam Akers. You say there's a six, and then there's the rest of them. So Cam's still amongst the top running backs in this draft. But number five, the number five Chris Sims running back in the 2020 draft is? DeAndre Swift from Georgia. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. Five. A bunch of of unqualified people have been making qualified statements telling you that he's the best guy since sliced bread. I mean, that's not not just unqualified people. I feel like that's a large range of everyone, right? It seems like there's a consensus that he is – the best back in the class I'm, I'm not saying it's true but there do seem to be a lot of people saying that hey we'll we'll see come draft night in the season next year right that's all we can do we'll see where it goes all right now and, and again this is where I hate the NFL draft as a as a guy that you know sit here and evaluate because this is not personal to DeAndre Swift sure. he's a very good football player you know where this is personal to me is the people who have been you know, shoveling this crap down everybody's throat for the last year that he was just a slam dunk number one. Listen, Ahmed, if you pay attention to people's mock drafts and things like that, you know, the people who need 97 mock drafts to get it right, because I don't know if they really evaluate, but they just talk to people and go by hearsay. He's, he's starting to fall out of the first round in mock drafts because these people are talking to people and they're being told, you're crazy. There's no way he's a first rounder. You know, I just looked at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft a little while ago. He, he was in every mock draft. Now he's not. Hmm. I mean, what happened in the evaluation process all of a sudden that he just fell off? I mean, I, I don't know. Didn't we evaluate him already? So I don't know. You know, so that just tells me a little inkling there. But yes, Ahmed, to get into the player, you know, I was disappointed. You know, not disappointed because I was expecting a top 20 pick type talent. Okay. This guy, I hear people say he's Josh Jacobs. No way is he Josh Jacobs. He's not as explosive or powerful to the line of scrimmage as Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has, like, has between the tackles, thumper, running back type power, let alone quickness and explosion and reacceleration that is way greater than DeAndre Swift. And that's where I think I was a little underwhelmed, Ahmed. You know, I'm big into when nothing's there, what do you make happen? DeAndre Swift does not make a whole lot happen. And he ran through a whole lot of big holes at Georgia. And, yes, it looks cool when you're watching highlights on TV and you go, oh, look at him. He's cool in his Georgia uniform and number seven, and it's a great uniform. But, you know, I could sit there and show you the same holes versus similar competition with some of these other running backs we're going to talk about and go, no. The guy, Swift got 30 yards. The other guys got 80-yard touchdowns, and they struck up the band, and and he hit his head on the goalpost. So I like Swift. I do. But he's not physically elite. His his acceleration to the hole, his power running through tackles are not elite. Now, listen, he has good shake, and he certainly can make people miss. He's got great hips that way. That's the the number one thing of his game. But – the other thing to that is he makes you make somebody miss and then people pursue him and tackle him from behind almost immediately. And I'm big into that. Yeah, that's great. It looks cool. You made a miss, but the people that were chasing you have caught you. And 
you know, that that's part of the game. So, yeah, I look at DeAndre Swift, you know, as a really good player. He is a three-down running back, but no way would I take him in the first round. No way. And especially with the, the group of guys here, you know, like I said, he's just not elite that way. Um, so I think those are my biggest concerns more than anything right now. Yeah, so what do people love about him that have him as the best consensus back? You mentioned one of them, that cutting ability. It seems like he can he can cut without losing much speed. And so lateral, yes, sure. shifty, back and forth. You mentioned the word shifty there. Only had three drops in his career, so he seems like a capable Great receiver. Hands. And yep. another one of the things for him is that it, he didn't have a whole lot of – he didn't have a high workload at Georgia. And I think that's appealing. We'll, we'll get into some of the other running backs in this class, I'm sure, that had that high workload. Sure. And so you, if, if you are looking at the NFL, and just like you said, after four years in the NFL, you're kind of you're, – you're what you were. Your best days are behind you. Here's a guy where perhaps if you take it easy on him in college, he can, he can last four, five, six, seven, eight years in the NFL. Yeah, well, well, hopefully, you know, hopefully. Christian McCaffrey got beat to hell, and he's still going strong. You know, Alvin Kamara didn't get beat to hell, and he was beat up all last year. So, I mean, I understand that. Yes. Yeah. See, to me, though, you don't evaluate off that. That's just like icing on the cake. You want to start with the talent, and then you go, oh, and you know what else? he hasn't gotten killed in college and they didn't like grind him into the ground. You know, that has to be an added on positive, almost like an intangible for the quarterback position, but I'm not going to move him up the draft board because of that. I'm not, yeah. you know, and you know, to, the, the big thing too, Ahmed, when I look at him, you know, he just is not a game changer and people are going to look, hear that and go, you're, you're crazy. He's not a game changer. I'm going to go. Yeah. He's a game changer when they run a toss sweep, and no one's in the screen for 20 yards. But I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, my gosh, look at this guy run through a hole the size of a Mack truck and, you know, get 15 or 20 yards. Whoa, holy crap. You know, I, I'm not going to evaluate off that. I am big on what's there to be had, and then did you take full advantage of it? And he ran 448 at the combine, Ahmed. He does not play to 448 speed. There's guys that ran slower than him at the combine, and I turned on their film, and I go – hey, they're playing the same team. This guy's running away from everybody. DeAndre Swift was getting tackled by these guys when he broke out in the open. So, you know, again, I like the player. I just think that everybody has overhyped him uh, more than anything. And that, you know, again, that, that's where I stand with it. Our first shock, my jaw dropped for the first time in our running back rankings. It took only to number five to do that. So number four, the number four running back in Chris Sims' 2020 draft class. Zach Moss, Zach Moss out of Utah, you know, okay. Zach Moss was one of the most fun watches of the group. Now he doesn't have great top end speed. He ran a four, six, five at the combine. He plays faster than that. And again, I'm not always into long speed and you got to run 70 and 80 yards. Okay. You know, and I know I just said that it was a negative about Deandre Swift, well, it's more of a negative for DeAndre Swift than it is like a guy like Zach Moss because Zach Moss can run with power and run people over and is a true bell cow in between the tackles type runner. I mean, he's 225 pounds. He's a different guy than DeAndre Swift. But within that, he's quicker, has better acceleration, and can weave through traffic in between the tackles and get more tough yards than a DeAndre Swift. This guy is a really, really talented runner. Like a natural running back to the point to Ahmed where we talked about like the Ravens or the 49ers and, and what they do. 
I, he's a guy that I think could play the outside zone scheme, but he could also follow a guard up in the hole and know how to be patient and read the blocks and make something happen after that. He's got a really unique style as far as running the football. Remind me of like a Le'Veon Bell, Frank okay. Gorish type of player. Marshawn Lynch uh, has been thrown out there too with a violent uh, way he runs. I get that. He's got a stiff arm like Marshawn Lynch that will embarrass people. I think he's probably got even better quickness than Marshawn Lynch did coming out. I'm not going to say he has the power or the long speed Marshawn Lynch had, but you know, I could see that. That's a good one. I didn't think of that. You know, yeah, the names I wrote down, I wrote Lev Bell, Frank Gore, even Rashad Penny, who came out a few years ago. And I know some people are going to go, well, he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, well, he's been hurt a lot. He's got a little unlucky. But he was a first-round pick for a reason. And, yeah, I see a guy here with special twitchiness and quickness, can make people miss, can push the pile forward when nothing is there, and still get two or three yards. And his speed yeah. is better than his four six five combine speed. It seems like for a lot of the scouts noted that, his ability to, to fall forward after contact, push forward after contact, get a couple, couple more yards after those situations. Uh, the, the big red flag on, on him, and you just don't know, and it maybe hurts him more in this draft than any other draft, is the medical uh, questions and the concerns there. Uh, he missed some time early on in his Utah career. Uh, with an injury that wasn't quite disclosed later on in 2018 towards meniscus. I think it was reported that he was just doing some routine stuff like getting in or out of bed and he tore his meniscus. Obviously right. there had been some damage done uh, before that point. So there are some medical concerns, which, you know, in a normal draft, you might, you might be able to evaluate it, look at him, test it yourself. I wonder if it hurts him more in this draft than any other draft, just because there isn't that contact with the teams and medical staff. Yeah, well, I think that's, you know, it's a real possibility. You're right. It might make teams chicken out when they're going down to, ooh, okay, we got Zach Moss ranked a little higher than this guy, but, man, we didn't get to do a thorough medical evaluation. Let's just go with the guy with the cleaner medical evaluation. I think that's a very real possibility that teams are, you know, I think some teams will chicken out to what you're saying. Now, again, we also have to take into account, these are young kids still. You can overcome injury very easily. You know, sometimes, you know, again, and I think I look at those injuries, you know, I don't sit there and go, oh, man, that's career-ending type crap right there. From what I saw on film last year and the way he moved, he completely recovered, okay? And, you know, again, I think at this running back position, you just got to look at it for the next four years. That's all you got to look at it for. Anything else after that is icing on the cake, you know, because you just don't know. It's too brutal and too physical a position. If Bo Jackson can get hurt, then anybody can get hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. So DeAndre Swift from Georgia 5. We got Zach Moss from Moss Utah. Moss excites me, man. He really does. Four. He's made for the NFL true bell cow type running back. He really yep. is. Got a Tough. little power, speed, quickness, and he translates to any scheme as far as running the football. He was a lot of fun to watch. He was one of the most pleasant surprises I've had of the draft so far. But who did you think was just a little bit better than him? Number three in your running back rankings. J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. You know, and again, this is a guy, again, you know, this is, it's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, what do I want to see? Beauty in the eye of the beholder. You know, again, like J.K. Dobbins might not suit a team like the Baltimore Ravens where they go, hey, we want to pull the guard and run it between a tackle. And we don't think he's that type of guy. Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers, he might go, damn, this guy's like Matt Breida. 
You just give him the ball, and he finds a seam, and he goes downhill with it, and he splits the whole defense and runs for a 70-yard touchdown. I think that's what I like about J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins has elite speed, elite game-breaking type speed. And there's no replacement for that, Ahmed. Is he a little stiff? Yes. Is he, like, great in the open field? No, not always. He's not that way. He's not a guy that's going to, like, make somebody look uh, silly like an N1 mixtape or getting crossed over by somebody. No, that's not his game either. But he runs really hard. And he's got good vision. He really senses the cutback lane. And the speed is game-changing, Ahmed. I mean, you know, I don't, you know whatever game you want to look at, Wisconsin, Michigan, Clemson, you know, these are teams that got defensive players on the field. They got real mm-hmm. speed on the field. And he's running by them all. And that, to me, is a special attribute. You know, he's, he is uh, special that way. And that's who he kind of reminds me of, a little bit of that Matt Breida Maybe yeah. even Jamal Charles, if you remember back in the day, a little more compact than that, but that type of player. You look at his whole season, I mean, any, any game you pick, it's probably going to be a highlight real game because he, he had 2,000 yards rushing. He broke Eddie George's single-season school rushing record for Ohio State. The question is there, Ohio State's offense, it did produce a lot of, like you, you mentioned, big holes. And how many other running backs could have produced similar results had they been in that that Ohio State offense. So that's always something you got you to kind of weigh, and, and you do it all the time with your quarterbacks and Joe Burrow and, and Tua. It's like how, how good are their teammates and how much better did that make J.K. look than he would have normally? Sure. Well, yeah, I get that. But, I mean, his offensive line isn't as good as Georgia. I mean, he doesn't have a first-round top-10 tackle. And then the other tackle is going to go in the first 60 picks for Georgia. You know, so, you know, again, a lot of these guys are going to have talent around them. You know, it's about, yeah, it's, it, it's not apples to apples to what you're saying. He certainly was surrounded by big-time talent. But, you know, the big thing is, again, I go back to similar situations where I could pull up tape and go, okay, here's the same hole for both guys. They're really kind of in the same predicament. Now, what happens from here? And J.K. Dobbins, whether he bounces it outside or just turns on the afterburners, he runs through defenses with straight elite speed that you can't deny it, what you see in the field. Where I watch other running backs in this draft or whatever other draft where I go, oh, that guy got, oh, shoestring tackle for 15 yards. J.K. Dobbins hits his head on the goalpost, and it's a 70-yard touchdown. And that's a special elite trait that he has, and that's a game-changing trait. You know, again, explosive plays are the number one stat other than turnovers and determining football games. You throw a screen to J.K. Dobbins or he gets a crease in the outside zone scheme, you know, he's going to go 60 yards down the sideline. And all of a sudden you're at great field position. He takes pressure off the offense that way. So to me, that's where Dobbins is special. He really is. And, you know, I understand that. uh, But we're going to talk about some other running backs here who had, you know, some talent around them too. Let's get it to number two. Number two on your 2020 draft prospect running back list. Uh, Number two, uh, hold on, I'm reading my notes Uh here. Um, Sorry, I've totally just blanked out. I got to pick up my my, Jonathan Taylor. Holy Uh shit. Sorry, Jonathan (laughs) Taylor. You talked to him. You talked to him, right? I know. I'm I'm sitting here trying to go through my notes, right, as I do this, just to go, man, did I forget anything I want to talk about? What is it? Um, But if you forget anything that you wanted to mention, just write a tweet. I'll retweet it. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you very much. But Jonathan Taylor um, is the best power back 
in this in this class. All right. Also, with the fact of saying he might be the best home run hitter in this mm. class too, and there's of course great value in that. You know, I know Wisconsin people are going to say, "Oh, he's beat, been beat up and a lot of wear and tear on his tires." I get that. You know, Mark Ingram's still going strong. He was running back at Alabama. You know, again, you know, some of these guys are going to be better than you think. I think Jonathan Taylor is one of those guys. This is the start to me, Ahmed, of a first-round talent. If he went in the first round, I'd go, I get it. You know, because two things. Like we talked about with Zach Moss, first off, he's a bell cow running back. He always – the pile always moves forward. If he runs through a hole and hits two linebackers at five yards, he ends up getting seven or eight, okay? But he also might – skirt by them and run down the sidelines for 80 yards and nobody catches them. I mean, he has a rocket up his ass. It's special that way. You know, he's got a little stiffness to his game. There's no doubt. He doesn't have the hips Zach Moss or quite the feet Zach Moss has or DeAndre Swift, but his power speed combination is special. And, you know, there's just no replacing the fact of, Hey, nothing's there, but it's still second and seven instead of second and 10. That's great. Hey, there's nothing to replace, like, good vision, you know, being able to weave through the, the tackle box and get extra yards that way. He is very good at that. And then the biggest thing is the way he attacks the line of scrimmage when he does see a hole or a crease, man, again, he could put his foot down like a Dobbins, and he just outruns everybody. And that's, to me, where Jonathan Taylor, you know, is, is really special that way. He really did help himself at the combine very fast there, 4.39. You said also with the power. He did have a high workload at Wisconsin. He rushed for over 6,000 yards in the three seasons there, first running back in FBS history to do that in three seasons. PFF recorded 4,000 of those yards coming after contact. There you so, go. That, so that says it all. a bruiser. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. You know, and, and Ahmed, you know, it goes back to like, you know, you said it with me with my quarterback support. What's there to be had? And then when there's nothing there to be had, what do you do? And I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, wow, he ran through the hole and got five yards. That's so special. I want to know, okay, you ran through the hole and you got five yards. Now, how much more can you make happen now that there's people in pursuit and ready to break down and make tackles? And Jonathan Taylor's got a lot of impressive runs where he gets five more, eight more, bounces it outside with great speed and goes down the sideline for 30, or just splits two guys trying to make arm tackles and runs up the middle for a 70-yard touchdown. He's special that way. He's like a, you know, he's like a Nick Chubb to me in a lot of ways. That, that, you know, Nick, Nick yeah. Chubb, maybe a little less gifted Leonard Fournette. Uh, but but similar towards those type of running backs. And, again, Nick Chubb, everybody's got to remember, people are going to go, well, Nick Chubb was drafted in the second round. Nick Chubb was coming off an ACL injury and didn't play a lot his last year. Like, if Nick Chubb stayed healthy, he was a first-round running back, you know, but that, that didn't happen. But either way, I think Taylor, again, is a guy more for a true power running game. Guards yeah. pulling, he can set up blocks and then explode that way. He's really good. He's got great power, great strength, pretty good in the pass game. And then he's got the home run hitting ability. And that's why he's the second, second running back off the board for me. So let me throw this at you with uh, the high workload for him. That probably is a concern to some teams. You know, Christian McCaffrey, you mentioned he had that high workload as well. 
But he gets to the NFL, and he does a good job. He has the ability to avoid a lot of that big hits, yeah. that big contact. That's not Jonathan Taylor's game. In fact, he, he wants to promote as much big contact as he can. So that may be a red flag with the workload where it might not be normally for another guy. It does play into Taylor, and he's a power back. He's going to take a lot of big hits in the NFL as well. No, I mean, hey, you're right. I mean, there's no denying that. You know, now he's got a freaky body and a freaky build, Sure. okay? And at his age, you know, again, this is a different position. And I think I should have stated this more when we did the state of the running backs in the beginning. You know, I am. My wife totally messed me up by calling me in the beginning, and it totally threw me off my game, all right? I didn't react to the defense well. You, you, don't blame it on that. Don't blame it on that. We'll check the but, game tape. You were, you were but, off your game even before then. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I think the thing, you know, again, we got to just remember, don't try to look at this like other positions and go, oh, he can be our starter for the next eight to ten years. Yeah. I just don't think that's the right approach to go with the running back. I don't. You know, you, you got to look at it and go, we need somebody that can help us for the next three to four years. And hopefully this guy could then go beyond that. But if he can't, we got to be thinking, hey, we need to re-up the position or get some more people in there every two to three years because, you know, to your point and what you've been talking about, we've seen running backs fall off and fall off in a hurry. All right. So you're going to have a surprise number one here. I think I know who it is, but I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder. Your number one running back in the class of 2020. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, you know, honestly, Ahmed, I don't think it's close. You know, I don't. Wow. I, really? This is, this is – yeah, I think this guy is clearly the best running – I when I came away watching, you know, I'm going to say I watched 12 to 15 running backs here, I came away going, damn – you know, Edwards Hilaire is, was by far the guy I marked as, like, the most impressive and most talented of the group. There's no weakness to anything he does, okay? He makes the most with the least, you know, and he makes a lot out of the most, too. You know, the only thing you're going to talk about him negatively is his 40 time, okay? But again, you know, if his 40 time was 4-6 and I saw him – oh, man, you could have got a 50-yard gain instead he got 12 because it was an issue on film. I don't see that. You know, I see him running by everybody in the SEC for 40 and 50 and 60-yard gains. Plus, you know, again, yeah, he's not going to be the home run hitter Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins are, Ahmed, but he is going to make more great 10 and 20 and 30-yard runs than anybody in this draft. I mean, his start-stop, re-accelerate ability is off the charts. It's off the charts. And then for a guy where, you know, I think we all want to sit there and go, oh, he's small, right? And I'm going to go, no, he's an inch smaller than DeAndre Swift and, four, and two, four pounds lighter. It's not that much smaller. I know it looks smaller because of the LSU uniform and things like that, but it's not. And runs with great power, has – the best ability to make people miss in space in the whole draft. And when he makes them miss, like I said, his ability to re-accelerate is better than anybody else on the field. So he rips off another 20 or 30 yards before anybody ever catches him, let alone he has power. Like I had a hard time coming away with the pro comparison, Ahmed. You know, I, I literally was hmm. like, this is Ray Rice, but quicker. Or Mark Ingram 
but with Darren Sproles type quickness. It's very unique. He is a fucking beast in the pass game. He is going to be one of the best route running running backs in the, in the NFL from the get-go of his career. And I saw enough to go, he could be a bell cow too. He's got such great quickness. A lot of people don't get clean shots on him. Like you were talking about with Christian McCaffrey, right. same type of thing. So if you're concerned about his size, I get it, but it's not so small that I go, Oh man, he's going to get killed in the NFL because he's really dense and powerful let alone he does a great job of kind of getting on the edge of would-be tacklers. He does so – you're right. I mean, he does so many things so well, complete, 55 catches out of the backfield. So he's got natural receiving abilities. You're right. The ability to make defenders miss. I was reading something on projecting running backs from college to the next level, and it was two things that really stood out that, that could translate over, and especially when you're competing against good competition. It was the ability to make defenders miss, miss tackles, Total number of that, that translates really well to the NFL. And so that'd be good for Edwards Hilaire. And also it was yards after contact. And so he can do both of those things. The one, the one caveat with him, and this is kind yeah. of like Joe Burrow. It's the same thing I throw at you with Joe Burrow, who you had as the number one quarterback in this draft class. It was one year of elite production uh, for this running back as well. He has improved his stock more than any other running back. If we did this draft a year ago, he's probably not in the top five just because not as many people know about him. The track record and being able to see it, you know, three years with a Jonathan Taylor all the way through college as opposed to one elite year. I know you're just, you're just basing it on what you saw and the ability on tape, but sometimes, you know, the more years you lay tape down, the harder it is sometimes because you do have more errors and weaknesses that show up where maybe in one year those are those are hidden are you ever worried about the fact that you didn't see some of the weaknesses because they just it was just one year for him well no you know yeah okay to a degree but not really you know again I think that the big thing is to you got to remember these are young kids who are still growing still getting stronger still getting faster there's other circumstances involved as far as you know the year before they're you know, it wasn't the same offense. Joe Burrow was getting used to things there as well. You know, I, 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 you know, I take into earlier years into account to a degree, not as much as I do with, you know, not as much as I do as quarterbacks. Quarterbacks sure. I want to know more of. I think reps are important. Running back, listen, I'm just going on what I saw from this past year and the physical ability, the explosiveness, the acceleration, the start-stop ability, you know, the ability to – run through tackles or get yards after contact. And, you know, to me, it was, it was eye-popping. So, yeah, no, I'm not going to sit here necessarily and say, oh, man, I, you know, I wish I saw more years of this. No, I'm not. You know, I think this is what the player is. I think it's special. And, you know, listen, this is why I like you because you know me. I don't really look at the stats and, like, all that kind of shit. But there you go. You just told me my top two guys were – the best with like yards after contact, right? Yeah, and being shifty. Yeah, and missed tackles, inducing missed tackles right. as well. So, yeah. I, you know, again, I, that makes me feel good to hear you say that because that's what I see on film. Let alone I see guys when, you know, that speaks to, yes, tough running in between the tackles, but it also speaks to, you know, making the most out of stuff when things aren't there. And I just can't tell you how many times I went, with Edwards Hilaire, I went, oh, my gosh, he's running between the tackles. They got him corralled. This is going to be a two- or three-yard game. 
and all of a sudden he goes, whop this way and whop this way. And then, shoo, and he salaries something. You go, holy shit, he got a 30-yard gain out of that? There was, there was nowhere to go. You know, yeah. and the same with Jonathan Taylor. There's so many times where he runs through the hole and you go, okay, he's running hard in there. He's going to get four or five yards. And all of a sudden he runs over somebody or just does a little jump, jump cut and the guy doesn't get him squarely. And then he breaks that tackle and then it's off to the races against teams like Ohio State. So and with, with Jeff Okuda chasing him and, and all these other talented dudes. So, yeah, to me, these were the guys that physically jumped off the page to me. And Edwards Hilaire, uh, I think, is, yes, the best running back in the draft. And I'm telling you, I, I just would not be shocked. I, I don't know how you could see anything else watching the film. It's, it, that's how strong I feel about it. I really do. I don't know how you could watch the film and think that he is not the best running back in, mm. football, in college football. That's where yeah. I would challenge anybody and go, tell me why. Tell me how. I, I don't understand that. Are you sure you're just not in love with the jerseys and the helmet look of LSU? Because now you have Joe Burrow as your number one quarterback. You have Edwards Hilaire as your number one running back. You had Chase Sun as your number two edge rusher. You had – who else was it? You had Jefferson as your number two receiver. You might just be in love with the color scheme of LSU. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, sometimes teams are just that fucking good, all right? We've seen it from Alabama. You know, we're going to see it from Clemson. You know, I mean, we're going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence as the first pick of the draft next year, and the running back, ATN, is going to be one of the top running backs off the board, and they have another receiver that's going to be a first-rounder, and then T. Higgins this year, who can end up being, you know, hey, Miami, Frank Gore was good, right? I mean, he was good. It wasn't Jeremy Shockey and Andre Johnson and Santana Moss and, you know, Kellen Winslow, was it, or was he good? I don't, I don't know. You know, so that's what I mean, you know. This is why I always want to fight – I want to argue with Florio, who tells me there shouldn't be a draft. It's un-American. Teams should – players should be able to pick the NFL team they want to play for. No. You know, Pete DeMolinolitis made this point yesterday, and this is the point. It's the same five teams in college football every year who were in the – we're talking about being in the playoffs. So that's why you can't do that in the NFL. That's a whole different argument. But either way, you know, yes, I understand that the team was talented around them. There's plenty of talent to go around. Hey, sure. shit, their other receiver, uh, Jamar Chase, he's going to be the top receiver pick next year. But it doesn't take away from the talent of the actual player. Ezekiel Elliott had good talent around him in, in Ohio State, too, and that's worked out. So, yeah. you know, again, you have to evaluate the player. You take everything around them into, you know, into thought and a part of the evaluating process. Uh, but Man, I, I think this guy's a slam dunk star in the NFL. So let me ask you uh, floor and ceiling with these top six guys. Who's got the floor, the best floor, most realistic to, to uh, achieve, you know, good to above average running back uh, work of pro career in the, in the NFL? Because I, I, there were some notes that J.K. Dobbins may be the safest to be a productive running back in the NFL. So who would you say maybe has the safest floor and the highest ceiling? Is, is uh, Edwards Hilaire got your highest ceiling? I think Edwards Hilaire has my highest ceiling. You know, this is why he's my number one running back. I, I think he, right. he has my highest floor too. Well, okay. I do. You know, because I think at the very worst, he's going to be an unbelievable third down change of pace back where we're going to go, holy shit. All this guy does is make plays in space all the time, and you can't cover him with a linebacker or a safety. So 
that's to me where he's kind of the can't miss. Then I go, I really think he's going to be Ray Rice as the pure runner, except a little quicker when he gets to the NFL. So that's where I look at him as the number one guy overall. I think also that Jonathan Taylor has a chance to have a really high ceiling as well. I do. You know, I think his floor may be a little lower uh, than, of course, Edwards Hilaire. You know, Taylor had a Taylor had a fumbling problem. You know, the wear and tear thing. Okay, that's a good conversation for the floor. Does he wear out after two years in the NFL? Okay, that would concern me. You know, so I, I think I look at that. The Dobbins thing's interesting. Yeah, I think Dobbins. You know, I don't know how to. I, and I didn't think about this prior. His ceiling is high, but you're right. His floor is pretty high too. I don't see a lot of like, oh, this guy will be a bust. Not with as hard as he runs and with the speed he brings to the table. I would have been really interested to see what he ran in the 40. You know what I mean? I really yeah. would. That's, a, that's what I'm disappointed about because I think he could, he could have been a guy that maybe cracked 4-3 as well. At least it looked like that on film. So I'm going to make you pick. Who goes in the first round and where do they go? Because we got the Dolphins who have – a lot of people seem to think that at the end of the first round, they might take a running back at 26. The Chiefs at 32. I, I've heard some people thinking they may take one of the running backs here. <laughs> if the, hey, the Chiefs, if Edwards Hilaire is there for the Chiefs yeah. at 32, hello, call up LSU, get it going. That would be scary. Wide open offense, receivers, Mahomes. Now you got to worry about the spread run game with this guy in space and then his ability to catch screens and do all that stuff. So I certainly look at it that way. Um, you know, I'm trying to look at some other teams here that just would jump out to me at the end of the first round. Hey, I mean, you're right. The Dolphins at 26, you know, if they I keep that at, pick, who knows what they're going to do with it, all their, yeah, all you're their exactly picks. right. You know, you're right. They're, they're in the market for maybe making a move for a quarterback, whatever it may be. But I do, I look at that Dolphins at 26 to go, Ooh, that could make sense for a top-tier running back. Will Seattle get back in the running back conversation? Hmm. You know, that's a serious injury Chris Carson dealt with last year. Rashad Penny's not been healthy, but I doubt that. I think they'll go with their group. But, you know, I think that, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs things make sense. I don't know if oh, – man, I would love to see him go to the Packers, but they probably feel good with Aaron Jones and have more of a need for a speed-type receiver. I never count out Shanahan because, I mean, we just talked about him three times sure. during the podcast, how he collects running backs. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. But, you know, again, my big thing is I think the only two first-round running backs I see for sure in my mind are Edwards Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor. The rest of the guys are second. And I would say DeAndre Swift, for me, would be a late second, early third-round type of pick. Okay. Pete threw out uh, Titans. If they uh, cut in Deion Lewis, they might need some depth for Derrick Henry there, so they might be looking for a running back well, at the end of the first round. That makes sense. And, you know, again, you know, like, hey, if I'm the Titans, yes, I want to keep Derrick Henry. But I'm thinking about Ezekiel Elliott at the back of my mind going, man, you know, maybe we re-sign him to a new deal, but it could be over in two years. And then we need to find a new guy or have somebody right. else. So. You know, that wouldn't be shocking. He certainly could fit their style of offense and, and play, you know, that role. I mean, that would be size versus, you know, a huge guy with a small guy and to two totally different skill sets. That would be very interesting. Like LeGarrette Blunt and Deion Lewis in right. New England, but I think to a greater version.
Let's put a bow on it. Who would you rank higher coming out of college? Edwards Elaire, your number one this year, or your number one last year, Josh Jacobs? Who's 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 more impressive to you? I think Edwards Hilaire. Wow. Yeah. I know. You love Josh Jacobs, and you thought he could be, you know, the Elvin Kamara type that can do everything. And we saw that in his first year. I think, and I, I you know, I think you'll see Josh Jacobs explode onto the seam even more this year because, you know, I think they were reluctant to use him in the past game last year. They let him kind of just get his feet underneath him, get used to the NFL life. Gruden's offense is very complex. So I think this year you're going to see Jacobs do, yes, all that Alvin Kamara stuff. And, you know, with, with Edwards Hilaire, yes, you know, I'm not, he doesn't have the same power as Josh Jacobs, all right? But he's every bit as quick. And Josh Jacobs ran a 4-6 last year, too, if you remember. I mean, yeah. he, he, he plays a lot faster than that, but has a lot of the same similarities as Edwards Hilaire. I just, I just think Josh Jacobs is maybe a little more powerful, where Edwards Hilaire is a little more quick. Uh, but, I, man, I love both of those guys. And, yes, I like Jonathan Taylor a whole lot, too. You want to mention any other names real quick that you looked at that you, you're keeping your eye on, or you want to save that for a later later? Well, day? no, no, we could talk about that. I, you know, listen, I think other guys that popped off the screen to me, hey, the big bruiser, A.J. Dillon from Boston College, he's going to yeah. have a role. You might not want him to be your first running back, but he is LeGarrette Blunt, except I'd probably say he has better contact balance and maybe even a little better, better long speed. He jumps out to me. Um, the Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt's a real good player where I think, you know, again, he's not a starting running back, but a rotational guy. Um, the Florida running back, uh, Perrine, um, he was another one that jumped out as real solid. I'm not going to say he's a star or anything like that, but I really liked his ability to run with power, make people miss in between the tackles. Your traditional type running back that way. And then, you know, there was a few uh, home run hitters a little bit that excited me, like the Darianton Evans from Appalachian State. You know, he could be one of those small school guys. He's got a rocket up his butt where he could be special. And then here's my, here's my diamond in the rough, all right? Here's the one that I was most excited about is Anthony McFarland from oh, Maryland. I had a feeling you were going to say him. Yeah. You know, again, Ahmed – there's, there's eliteness to his game. Him in space is scary. And he could turn it up the corner against any team and run for 80 for a touchdown. You know, and that, to me, he doesn't have, like, a whole lot of tape of running the football and doing that stuff. But I saw some elite traits there where I said, I wouldn't be shocked if he was on a lot of highlight reels in the NFL next year. All right, Chris, you had your fun. You want to finish it off with, with my fun, my top five? I want, I'm dying to know, actually. Yeah. I think this is the thing I'm most excited about. So you look at the future. That's 2020. I look at the present. I'm going to give you my top five running backs in the NFL right now, taking some information that I got from you right there on how to evaluate these guys. I was, I was taking notes mentally, trying to shift around my top five. I've not released this yet. Producer Pete, Pete Demolemolemolitis, doesn't even know where I'm going with this. So we'll see if, uh, if you agree here. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number five, Elvin Kamara, New Orleans Saints. Dual threat out of the backfield. A little worried. His production was down last year, but I'm willing to chalk that up to, to Breeze being hurt. And I read a little something on him, too, that 
he caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage much more this past season than the year before. So his utilization was a little tougher on him. But I got Elvin Kamara at number five. Any quibbles there? No, no, definitely not. Okay. I, you know, I, I, you know, he's he's top five caliber type running back. And I think last year, you know, he actually told me this at the Super Bowl this year. He was banged up, I think, for a lot of the year. He kind of had just little knick-knack, nagging injuries all year long to where I don't think he really got healthy until about the last three or four games of the year. So I'm with you. I think he explodes back onto the scene this season. The top four. So five was okay for me because even though I love Kamara, his production wasn't there this year. There are some questions. The four was really hard for me. Um, but here's number four, Delvin Cook, Minnesota Vikings. He uh, blew up this past year, was able to stay healthy on the field, which is a question for him. But I think if you tell me he's going to have a healthy season, he's my number four running back. And Minnesota used him so much, Chris. I looked this up, 38% of Minnesota's touches this year from scrimmage were Delvin Cook. So high usage for him, stayed healthy most of the year and produced most of the year. Yeah, I mean, got two rockets up his ass. You know, Ahmed, if you told me he was your number one running back, I would have said, that's okay. I get it. Yeah. I mean, he's special. He's a game changer. You know, again, Ahmed, elite traits. You know, the guy's got speed. That's a game-changing element to the football game. You know, we saw it all year long. If he gets to crack, uh, a crack to run through, watch out. Because once he gets to the second level, you go, oh, I don't know if any linebackers will be able to tackle him in space. So that's what I'm talking about. And I understand that. Yeah, Dalvin Cook is – He's fucking awesome. Big yards after contact guy as well. Also, you could say the same thing about my number three running back in the NFL right now. He blew up in the postseason at the end of the year as well. Seems like a second half running back. Derrick Henry. I got Derrick Henry at number three currently in the NFL, which may seem low to some people, but coming into the year, he is probably not even in the top five for a lot of people, but uh, I've got him up to three now. Yeah, well, I, 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 that's good. I, I think, that, you know, again, I think that's a guy that's, yes, yeah, so exactly where you kind of got him in that top three or four con, uh, conversation. I, I don't think I would put him number one either. But, hey, I mean, yeah, not many guys on planet Earth that size who can run the way he can run. And, you know, you talked about the end of the season. You know, the, that's where size is a skill. End of games, yeah. end of season – he wears people down, and they, you know, you see, you see him week fourteen running through the hole. You're going, holy shit, my body's beat to hell, and now I got to tackle him running me full speed. You know, no thanks. You know, so he's he's tremendous, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I hope he's not dead and has a has yeah. a few more great years left in his career. I mean, you're right. Imagine you're a defender at the end of the season, week 14, 15, 16, and you see the Titans on your schedule. You're like, oh, that's not what I need right now. Move them to week one or two or three. Right, right. Uh, number two, I'll give you both my top two uh, in a row here. My number two running back currently in the NFL is Saquon Barkley, with number one being Christian McCaffrey. So it goes Derrick Henry, then Saquon, number one being Christian McCaffrey. I, I, I got that. I'm all with you there. I think it's hard. You know, you could have took any of your top four and pretty much I, organized it any way to me. It kind of seems like that, although I do give the edge to Saquon and Christian because you look at it, you know, Derrick Henry's 26, and we're talking about the longevity of running backs here, and maybe it's different for Henry because of his size. But he's 26. You got Saquon, who just turned 23. Christian's 23 years old. And so I, I think that does give them an edge, especially because uh, we've been talking about for this whole hour for running backs, the lifespan there is four, five, six years at most, maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, and those guys that you're talking about are truly right in the prime of their career. And, and again, yeah, most you know, I, I bet you some people are going to be what Saquon Barkley's not the second best running back. You know, he barely ran for a thousand yards last yeah. year. Yeah, because what receiver were you scared of on the Giants? Can you yeah. name one for me? No, you can't. Right, and then can you name me an offensive lineman on the Giants? No, no, you can't, right? <laughs> Most people can't. So that's yeah. what I mean. So there's Saquon Barkley with shit around him. And yes, some games looked underwhelming, but it's not because of Saquon Barkley. He had an ankle sprain and he, you need help. You know, yeah. I, these guys aren't Superman. And sometimes I think we look at them as Superman. So really interesting by you. No Ezekiel Elliott. And that's then what, no, yeah. And yeah. no Nick Chubb. I would have put Nick Chubb would have been the guy that I would have thought about in the top five. Oh, okay. That, that might have been my number five uh, instead of Kamara. Maybe. I, I don't even know. But that would have been debatable. I think that's very, very close there. Chubb is a talented runner. Uh, Pete just texted me, Ahmed, get ready for some Cowboys fans in your mentions. They're already flooding in. We haven't even released this yet, and they're already getting to me somehow. We have a <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're going to get it. I'm not mad at you, though. I don't think I would. Yeah, who's your number one, though? If I said, okay, you can start your team, but you only get one running back, who really – who's the guy you want to have on your team, number one, right I now? think – yeah, I, I think my two guys – I think it would be Saquon Barkley. I do, yes. Yeah. I, I think ultimately it would be that. It, to me, it's a conversation. I would go – it would be between Barkley, Christian McCaffrey – Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. Those would be the four guys I think I would think about as being my number one. But ultimately, I think I would go with Saquon. Saquon's special. Game-breaking game speed. Barry, Sandwards, Barry Sanders, Edwards, Hilaire-type quickness. And then, you know, has some power in his game, too. Catches the ball great. So, yeah, I think I'd probably go Barkley as my number one. But probably McCaffrey coming in at two. And you'd still be scared to lock him up to a long-term contract, probably. Yeah, well, yes. Yes, I would, of course. It's crazy. You know, yeah. th these are the type of things that, as an NFL evaluator, and if you're on the front office of a football team, you know, and you're the, let's say the Giants specifically, you know, you, you got to keep a close eye on how he looks in practice every day. You know, what does his body look like? You know, the thing that concerned me about Ezekiel Elliott this year, I know you heard me say it, is I don't think his legs look the same. You know, I'll challenge anybody. Go YouTube his rookie year standing behind Dak Prescott and then look what he looks like this year standing behind Dak Prescott. It's a different leg in my opinion. And, of course, it translated to different speed, a slower speed this year. So, you know, yeah, you've got to be really on top of that running back position to see it. I was with Chris Johnson, right, his yeah. rookie year. And then I came back two years later. And, hey, don't get me wrong, he was still really fucking fast. But I came back going, oh, he lost a little, he lost a step. And that was only two years later, you know. But yes, two years later in the NFL means like 800 more touches. And you got, and out of those 800 touches, like 650 of them were huge car crashes. And that'll take its toll on you. Chris, we did it. We got to the end. That was fun. You're the well man. Done, Always fun, dude. Way to go. Uh, Way to, I hope you're brushing your teeth more than once a day. looks like you're showering. Everything's going good, today. man. I did. Yeah, I showered today. And then Paul is back. Who Paul strikes me as a, uh, as a shower every day kind of guy. He's back uh, Tuesday with your defensive back 
draft rankings. So this whole quarantine for you is going to be remembered by just looking at film of dudes in the 2020 draft class. I've taken over my little boy's video game center, right? <laughs> he's got a PC computer there. He's got a big screen. And I tell him he can't get on his video games till about 3 o'clock every day because dad's yeah. got to watch film. So I get done with PFT <laughs> and at 9 a.m. And I'm sitting down there watching film the rest of the day. And, uh, you know, I might be done for today, but tomorrow I'll be at, be at it again. Chris, we'll do it again soon. You're the man, dude. Always good talking to you. Chris Sims on Button, everybody. You know it's Tuesday, Thursday, next week. We got more podcasts, more draft stuff coming up. You know, like Ahmad said, we're going to be doing the DBs. Ahmed, Ahmed, Ahmed. Did I just call you Ahmed? Ahmed, yeah. Ahmed, Ahmed damn yeah. it. I haven't done that in a long time. I've called I'm you sorry, Phil. Ahmed. I've called you Phil plenty of times, so it's, I think we it's fine. Tariko called me Phil yesterday on his show. <laughs> and then tried to play it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, everybody, be safe out there. Follow the guidelines, COVID-19, pandemic, social distancing. Stay away from people. It's important. Don't want to hurt somebody you love. Ahmed, be good, dude. I'll talk to you. Dude. Peace out, everybody. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.